Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The first chapter of Ezekiel, with its awesome vision of the appearance of the glory of God, is one of the truly remarkable and critically important chapters in all of the Bible. From there, the book of Ezekiel is best understood by viewing it in its respective sections. The second section, a long portion from chapter 2 through chapter 32, reveals how Israel, once the treasure of God, the chosen and lovely people of God, had become utterly rebellious and fit only for God to judge. This judgment finally comes in chapter 22. We read about it in verses 16 through 19. And you will be profaned through yourself in the sight of the nations, and you will know that I am Jehovah. And the word of Jehovah came to me, saying, Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the midst of the furnace. They are the dross of silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord Jehovah, because all of you have become dross, therefore I am now gathering you into the midst of Jerusalem. Matt Miller is here as we pick up kind of a downward turn in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, The first chapter, as we've now had a number of programs, more than 10, uh, to see this incredible vision, uh, so many aspects of the appearance of the glory of God that really includes also the appearance of man properly in God's plan. But as we come to what happens to Israel here, Matt, they're far away from where they properly should be in God's plan. Yeah, Chris, I uh, particularly want to stress the verse you mentioned about how God's people had become dross. And I want to compare that to what Exodus 19 verse 5 says that God chose them to be a particular treasure, a yeah. precious treasure. He right. wanted his people to be a treasure to him. And yet here we see a tragic situation in Ezekiel where God's people have become the dross of the silver. They're not the silver. They're the they're the bad part. And mm-hmm. it's really, uh, like you mentioned, one of the top chapters in the whole Bible in Ezekiel chapter 1, and I'd encourage our listeners, if they haven't heard those radio programs, to go back because these are classics. Yes. Yet today we go on to the second section of Ezekiel, which deals with the transgression of God's people. And, boy, I I tell you, to deal with the the degradation of God's people is a harder thing than when you talk about the heavens Mm -hmm. are opened and you have four living creatures and God's word coming expressly and the hand of the Lord is upon you and you have a, a big wheel representing God's move and lightning and it's, you know, the electrum, many things in Ezekiel 1 that are just full of meaning. And and now we come to the second section of Ezekiel with this particular radio program, which is on the degradation of God's people. And I would just prepare our listeners to really expect something from the Lord in today's program that's very special. Matt, you know, this matter of judgment uh, related to God's people, we often think in terms of God judging the unbelievers, the world, the devil, you know, all the negative things. And he'll do that. And he will do that. That's certainly a, a genuine aspect of God's judging character and nature, his holy nature. When it's violated, it brings out his judgment in a righteous way. But we're reminded again that his judgment firstly must touch his people. 
And in First Peter chapter 4, verse 17, a verse I think many of our listeners will recognize, it is time for the judgment to begin from the house of God. And if first from us, what will be the end of those who disobey the gospel of God? It would be hard for God to judge the unbelievers, those outside the kingdom, if first he hadn't properly judged those in his own family, in his own household. So this is one of those programs, one of those messages, one of those portions in Scripture where uh, we're talking about God's judgment of his people in a righteous way. That's a good lead-in for today's program, Chris. Good. Let's join Witness Lee. This book is clearly of four sections. Chapter 1 is the first section that covers the vision of the appearance of the glory of the Lord. The second section from chapter 2 through chapter 32 covers the subject of the judgment of God by fire. Then the third section from chapter 33 through chapter 39 covers the recovery of God by life. Then the last nine chapters, chapters 40 through 48, is the fourth section that covers the holy building of God. This is an outline a full stage of the whole book. Now, we are in the second section, the judgment of God by fire. God's judgment is on two kinds of peoples. Number one, on his chosen people, Israel. And number two, on the Gentiles, the nations. First of all, we all have to realize Israel was originally God's chosen people. But look into these 23 chapters, from chapter 2 through chapter 24. You look into it, you will just weep for them. They were God's elect, but they became a rebellious nation, a rebellious house. They were God's vine. The grapevine was supposed to produce the fruit for making wine. But now they became briars and thorns. As the bride, they became what? A harlot. My God said, my heart is broken. Then how about the flock? The flock became scorpions. They were supposed to be sheep, but now they became scorpions. It stings you. Then, as God's treasure of gold and silver, they became all together just a trash. The R-O-S-S. Matt, in these uh, portions here, in chapter 2 particularly, uh, we have a, a series of contrasts, what God's people should be and what they have become. All the positive, wonderful things uh, should have been God's house. They became a rebellious house. They should have been a vine, a grapevine to produce wine, something to cheer God. Instead, they become thorns and briars or thorns and thistles. And then instead of his bride, a harlot. 
and and not a flock to God, but scorpions. Ooh, very graphic picture, isn't it? It is, Chris. God's people are God's elect. They're they're chosen. They're meant to be special, and yet they became rebellious. They hardened their heart. They stiffened their neck. And they didn't stay special to God. And and the second thing is God's vine and how uh, that's meant to be. In John 15, it's a famous chapter in the New Testament. I am the vine, you're the branches. I mean, it's a picture of God's organism on the earth to bear fruit and multiply and express God on the earth. I mean, what a special picture to be God's vine. And yet they didn't become a fruit-bearing vine. They became a briar. They became a thorn, something to prickly, something to poke you that's not bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. What a contrast. It's right. a, a negative contrast. And then the, the third thing was is they were meant to be God's bride, yet they became God's almost like an enemy. Uh, Witness Lee mentioned God's heart was broken. How much more can someone's heart be broken when someone who is meant to be your bride becomes a harlot? Right. And and this is, I mean, this is just a tragic reading through Ezekiel as you read especially in chapter 16, you can see how God's heart is broken. Israel, in God's words, she became worse than a harlot. And then the fourth thing was, is meant to be God's flock, you know, but instead of a flock, they became scorpions. Instead of something, you know, positive as a flock, something negative stinging as a scorpion. And and then the last one we mentioned in the opening word about precious treasure and yet becoming dross. What a contrast between these five things. And this is why you can see in chapter 6, verse 9, why God says his heart was broken. It's really a heartbreaking story. It is, Matt. You know, it begs the question, what happened to Israel to turn it from all of these wonderful things to God into all of these negative things? And we come to that in this portion. In uh, chapter 14, Ezekiel writes in verse 3, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I be inquired of at all by them, that I may lay hold of the house of Israel in their heart, who have become estranged from me because of all their idols? So at the root cause of this terrible degradation, Matt, is the matter of idolatry, which I think is going to take on a very applicable light in our New Testament situation after we listen to this portion. How such wonderful people became the rebel, the thorns, the scorpions, the whore, and the dress. How could this be? Because, first of all, They have the idols. Don't just think an idol is just a kind of outward image. An idol is a substitute of God. If you love anything better than the Lord, that thing you love is an idol. Your scholarship may be an idol. Your schooling may be an idol. Your money may be an idol. Sorry to say, your wife may be too, and your husband may be an idol. Your children may be an idol. Even your dressing may be an idol. Whatever that is more important than the Lord within you, that is an idol. The people of Israel accepted the idols, and the idols brought them into the contact with all the hidden nations. Then as 
they were associated with the nations. Surely they walked after the manners of the heathens, in the customs of the heathens. Look at today's situation. Within so many of us, we still have something as a kind of idol within us. And we still are so much associated with the world. And in our daily walk, in our way of living, I'm afraid we are still after the manners of the heathens. The way we live, the way we spend our money, the way we dress ourselves must be not in the manner of the heathens. We are a holy people. We got to be different. It was by these three things, the idols, the association with the nations, and the walking in the manner of the heathens. It was by these three things that the people of Israel were corrupted. Matt, you know, over the years that we've been doing these broadcasts, uh, going through so many hundreds now of these life study messages, we've come to this matter several times, but it always touches me afresh. Uh, it seems like the Lord speaking is always here. Anything can become an idol in our lives. It doesn't have to be a statue or some relic, you know, or something we associate with uh, the kind of idolatry that was going on in the Old Testament. Really, our schooling, our family, our bank account, our clothing, our car. Oh, yeah, Chris. And uh, and I don't think it was just today in Southern California. I was surprised. My concept was that in the Old Testament during Ezekiel's time, these idols were the graven images set up on the hills that they worshipped. But right. the verses you read mentioned that they set up idols in their hearts. In their hearts. And so this is not a new thing. So many things can be an idol because it's something that you enjoy other than the Lord. As he said there in uh, Ezekiel 14, verse 3, you've set up an idol in your heart. The Lord wants the first place in our heart. He right. wants us to enjoy him. And all these idols are things that come in and compete with the Lord, and that's the very first phase of corruption. As you break down the corruption here, it's helpful to see the first problem comes when you start enjoying something other than Christ. The Lord wants to be our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy him. And when we stop enjoying the Lord and set up other things in our heart that we love, immediately the next phase happens, which is Phase two there, where we're attracted to the world. And then all of a sudden, the worldly things become more attractive, and we become worldly people. And then we're in the third phase of corruption, where we're walking like the heathens walk. We're following the course of the nations, and we're no longer God's elect. We're no longer special to God. We've become common, just like the worldly people. Yeah. It's really a tragic three-step corruption that starts with the first thing when we're not enjoying the Lord. That progression, I think, is uh, is the crucial thing. It's not just that, you know, we have these objects that we're attracted to. We all struggle with that. Uh, the problem is when we begin to live our lives in a way that is centered on those things, just like our neighbors, just like the guy down the street with the new, you know, uh, $150,000 BMW, uh, you know, and that becomes our kind of aspiration in our lives, then we just lose that uh, distinctive quality. I like the verse you read earlier quoted from Exodus, a peculiar or a particular people, a, this kind of a treasure. It's something that is special to God. And when we lose that 
quality, then we're just really in a position where God can only come in in a judging way out of his love for us. Yeah, that uh, concept is not just in Exodus, also in Ephesians. In chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, you were chosen to be holy. Right. You're chosen to be holy, to be special, to be different. You're not, we're not chosen by God to be common, worldly people. And uh, I, I just wonder, Chris, if we could stop right now, wherever we are, and just tell the Lord we love him. Right. I mean, this is hopefully what this radio program will do. will cause every listener to stop and tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I, I love, love you. you. Right. I love you, Lord. I love you more than those things. You're the one I love the most. Wow. Matt, the problem that uh, was befalling Israel affected every class of people. When you go through these chapters from chapter 2 through chapter 32, you find out really there are six categories or classes of people in Israel, including the priests and the prophets and the kings and the leaders and the elders and the people themselves, all of which succumb to this kind of degradation. And that's the subject of our final portion. Now, let's look into all kinds of people among them. They have, number one, the priests. Number two, the kings. Number three, the prophets. Number four, the elders. Number five, the leaders. And then number six, the people. They have at least these six classes of people. How about the priests? The priests, they cheated the people and they robbed the people. They didn't give the proper word of God to the people. I don't like to say too much negatively, but look at the situation. How many people have been just fooled and in a sense even robbed by the wrong use of the Lord's word? You know this. Then from the praise we go on to the kings. Here we are told the kings, they just know to grasp, to catch the prey. Then from the king to the prophets. The prophets by that time, most of them are false prophets. They prophesied according to their own heart. Today, so many preachers and teachers and ministers, they may give you a good word, a good message, a good sermon. But when the storm comes, when the rain falls, when the wind blows, all the good sermon will be gone. And you just couldn't stand the storm, stand the rain. But it is different with a word so fully saturated with the Spirit, with a word, with a message, so filled with the experience of life. When you get such a word ministered to you, I tell you, this will protect you. This will strengthen you to stand any kind of storms, rains, and wind. Then, how about the elders? The elders who came to Ezekiel inquiring something of the Lord. The Lord told Ezekiel, Ezekiel, these elders have set the idols in their heart. Yet they come to you to inquire of me. Then 
I say a little bit about the people. The people knew nothing but just oppression, robbery. My, may the Lord be merciful and gracious to us that we all will be delivered from such a kind of miserable situation. May the priest among us be not like this. May the prophets among us be not like this. May the leaders, the elders among us be not like this. May all the people be not like this. Oh, we all have to pray that the Lord would render us a full deliverance from today's degraded situation. Matt, you know, uh, here we have this whole, all the aspects of the leadership are corrupted here. The prophets are off, the priests are off, the kings are off, everyone's off, the leaders are off, and ultimately the people are off. And we've all experienced various uh, aspects of that. But it seems to me he touched something at the core of the trouble, and that is that the proper presentation and delivery dispensing of the Word of God was missing. And it reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He told him, My speech and my proclamation were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I just was struck when he was talking about how the Word must be the Word that comes with the Spirit. And that clears up all of these other things ultimately, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, Chris. And uh, in that in that light, I'd like to read a, a, a sentence from the Life Study in this regard because it it kind of underscores what you're saying and repeats what Witness Lee is saying. It's a quote from Ezekiel chapter 22 about not using untempered mortar so yeah. that when the storm comes, if you use untempered mortar and a storm comes, all the mortar washes away and everything falls apart. Right. And that's what the word of the false prophet is like. That's what the word is like that's not full of the Spirit. And uh, here's what the sentence in the last day I was going to read. It says, Today many preachers and teachers are daubing with untempered mortar. They may give a good sermon, but when a storm comes, it's washed away like untempered mortar. A word which is fully saturated with the Spirit and with the experience of the divine life is absolutely different. When this kind of word is ministered, it will strengthen God's people to withstand whatever storm comes. We're going to face storms, and as ministers of the Word, we have to minister the Word with the Spirit that can really strengthen people against a future storm. And, and so many of the ones, they use the Word for their own gain. Mm-hmm. Or as a leader, they're trying to, they're wolves or they're foxes, or they're taking advantage of their authority or their position, where what a shame that this would go on in this picture, in this section of degradation, and may the Lord recover us back to his word and the spirit. Matt, our our natural inclination, we tend to esteem those who are eloquent. We tend to lift up those who are charismatic. And I mean that not in the religious sense, but in the, you know, the general vernacular. Uh, and, and those who have a, an ability to give us a kind of a comforting or an entertaining word. We need the word that is full of the spirit, full of the power. And also, I want to add the other point that he made here, the word that's full of the experience of life. Those things become the temper to the mortar, don't they, that bind it so that when the storm comes, what is built up will stand. Chris, that's really true, and that's what you find in the Word of God, and it's also what I have found personally in this ministry from Watchman Nee and Witness Lee that Living Stream 
is releasing. Well, I certainly would echo and ditto that, Matt. That's why we're here. And, of course, we'd like to recommend our listeners contact us to find out how they can get the printed material, the printed life study messages. As you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, all these messages from Chapter 1, they genuinely are classics. Of course, we need this kind of balancing word that should inspire us and give us an aspiration to love the Lord more thoroughly, more genuinely, and more supremely. Uh, But we need the vision. We need this kind of encouragement and exhorting all of these things in the printed life study messages. This is a word that will become a tempered mortar, I think, in all of the listeners. You can get these printed messages. We'll tell you how you can do so. If you call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. That's all the time we have today. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time. Throughout the centuries, the Lord has recovered many truths concerning His purpose and plan for humanity. The recovery version of the New Testament by Living Stream Ministry presents these crucial truths in a format that is easy to understand and study. This faithful translation of the original Greek text includes outlines of each book of the New Testament, over 9,000 footnotes, more than 13,000 cross-references, charts of important truths, and color maps. The New Testament recovery version from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.